I think that it's about how we need to change how we are doing it. So I think that if we try to use like the prop technology uh, together with the BMS in the same thinking, I think then we are bound to fail. But we need to like adapt for both strengths and weakness in the systems. And we need to like find the best combined solution. You are listening to the Beyond Buildings podcast, where we talk to innovative leaders on how they create optimal value in a smart world context. We combine strategy and technology talk to absorb reality, embrace uncertainty, and to go from path dependency to path creation. It's smart cities, it's smart buildings, it's data strategies, it's construction, it's real estate and industry 4.0, and most of all, it's smart people. And remember, it's the data you don't have that will change your life. With your host, the future shaper, the ecosystem architect, Nicholas Wern. This episode is sponsored by Platform of Trust. I like Platform of Trust because it enables companies to create value from any type of data. Therefore, it saves time, money, and it's the perfect tool for companies who want to make data-driven decisions on data they can trust. They make it easy to collect, harmonize, and trust the data from different sources and basically any source that you want. And you don't need to hire 10 IT technicians or spend hundreds of thousands for a cloud platform because Platform of Trust can manage integrations and you'll see if something goes down in real time. Platform of Trust enables companies to take action based on the data that you can trust. Today, not tomorrow. This episode is one of the alpha podcast sessions for the Beyond Buildings podcast. I recorded this during the COVID coronavirus and I didn't have access to great tools or technology, but I wanted to record some of the great sessions I had when talking to interesting people in the smart city space. In this episode of the Beyond Buildings podcast, we talk to Tommy Hagenes, who's helping buildings to be smarter via PropTech Bergen in Norway, his consultant company Energy Control AES, and also as a business developer for AirThings, an indoor climate censoring company out of Norway. We'll get to listen to his inspiring journey from the BMS side and building controls to his background in facility management, and where he is today figuring out what is needed to create better buildings. We'll hear how he finds out if the BMS is truly the heart of the building, is it the first thing people see, and do people fall in love with the BMS every morning. We'll get to hear about how Tommy wants to disrupt himself so that he can help his companies and customers better. We'll hear about what a true leader thinks about their largest gap in the smart buildings market and an overall great episode with a thought leader in the smart building space. Welcome, Tommy Hoganes. It's great to be one of the first guests in this show. My name is Tommy. I'm from Norway and I'm in the West Coast, so in Bergen. I've always been in a, like a satellite office over here since everything is happening in Oslo. My introduction to the business is from BMS. So I did do building controls. I did start in a small company in Bergen and moved on to a bigger one. I led a department in how to build a top system. So I was very early with University of Genesis, I think it was called, the Iconic mm-hmm. Software uh, down in oh, yeah. Prague. I- yeah. Iconics, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. I did try that out for a few years. We did do a massive project in Oslo. The outcome was kind of mixed, but that's that's another story. Uh, and after that, I moved into more of how to do this globally. So I joined ECIO. I tried to establish the northern area for them in, in Scandinavia. And we did pretty good for uh, when I was still there, and they are still doing that. I, they just got bought from Johnson now, so that's, that's cool. Exactly. And then I, after all of that and, and some more in BMS industry, I decided that I needed to 
understand the customer because I've been a supplier all my adult life. So I need to know how is the system? Is the BMS that great? Is it like the heart of the building? Is this the first thing the people will log into and just praise it every morning? Like I thought. Was that the case? (laughs) (laughs) So sadly, I, I got disappointed. So I think this was maybe the biggest step in my career that I could really see that, okay, so the people that maintain the building is actually have like 20 login screens every morning. And the system I made was not made for them. It was made for me. So I I wasn't customer obsessed or something. I was definitely not Steve Jobs. (laughs) I think it was a very interesting way also thinking about the building that how many things there are and what issue really is. So after doing that for a few years, I needed to get back to, to the technology and I didn't want to go back to BMS because I had a feeling like that something needed to change. So I didn't want to go back to status quo. So I decided I would just jump in it and try to do a change myself. So without any plan, I just quit my job. And I decided that I'm going to just start a consulting company for myself. Was this from ECIO? No. So I did work for a facility management company. After ECIO, I worked in a facility company for a few years. So I did like, it was a small facility company in Bergen. They are big globally, but there were only me and one more person there. So I built that department up to, I think when I quit, I think there was 14 people there. Yeah, so I did hire like two people then to replace the position I had, just one to lead the department and one to be the technical head. So it's not, it was not that I did that much, but it was well, because... I like that. You hired two people to do the work that you did. Yeah, it's impressive. I, normally, I just stop after that. But, <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but it was a growth decision. So it was very fun for me. And I had a had a long exit there just to do it correctly so I could hire people to continue to grow. And it was a really good time because I, I did learn so much about building. I've been always studying as well. So in this period, I also took the, in Norwegian, we call it tox engineer. So it's like, uh, how is the concrete and what is the isolation uh, in this? So I really dig deep every time I do a change. So after that, in this company, I also started with some piloting. My story with everything started actually there because I met this guy called Andas and he had the sensors with him and he was just like asking me like, oh, this is a sensor for your home, but do you think that industry buildings could use this? And I was like, yes, yes, give me. So I did the first piloting in the whole world in that building where I was sitting. And after that, I was like, okay, I need to do something. I talked to Disruptive Technologies. I talked to so many cool companies. And I was just like, okay, I need to bring this technology into the building owners because in Norway at least, and I think it got read somewhere that in the US it's 16%, but in Norway it's about 20% of the building has a BMS. So 80% of the building doesn't have a BMS. So that was also one of the reasons that I wanted to go over to the building industry because I wanted to learn them that they needed a BMS. But then I could understand that the smaller buildings and the older one didn't have the like economy to start with it, and the scaling price was not that good. You start with a higher price. Yeah, I think like and in the US, like 97% of the buildings are like they don't have a BMS. It's yeah. like it just caters to the top 3%. Depends on how you measure it, but I think like yeah. you have building automation, top segment, you have home automation, and then there's like this whole blue ocean uh, yeah. for us uh, and for customers and for the whole industry, I guess where there's like nothing in there. It's yeah. an extremely gap. 
uh, in West Coast in Norway, there was actually something called PropTech Innovation that also started in that period. And what I really liked that was that there were the building owners was mobilizing to work together to find technology. So they travel to Silicon Valley, Tel Aviv, just to try to find technology they can start to use. So in this period, I started my company. I just wrote a LinkedIn message saying that I'm going to do this. If you need any help, please let me know. And after three days, I was like sold out for the whole year. That was insane. For me, it was a confirmation that the market was missing this. This, this was a gap in the market. But I also had a short-term thought about this because in my business document, the first line is that I will, the most important thing I will do in my company is to disrupt myself because I didn't think that I needed to go and take people in the hand and say, this is a sensor that plug it in together, but it was needed at the time. Then I had another thought that if I'm going to do this, it's going to be a lot of people, a lot of companies that, that will say that atomic sensors are for your home. If you want to sleep at night, then do it right. So I can do this in my garage or my basement or whatever. So I, I was starting to look for buildings that really needed this and where I could help. So I was very lucky. I managed to do a deal with, with a building in Norway, which is now called PropTech Bergen, that we just started at the same time. So first of all, I wanted to sit a place with, with innovative people. And it, we didn't have any WeWork here or anything like that. So I needed to create that. And the purpose with the building was also to test it. So I would put up, just ask everybody, bring your gadgets. That's in Batman, you call it the plug fest, but let's call it something else. But, but let's just bring our gadget together and try yeah. to solve this issue. And the biggest issue was that if you're going to, it was an old building, it was outdated, it was empty because of the oil crisis in Norway. We, we have a lot of buildings in that area empty. We needed to make it smarter, like better and smarter, and just like open the doors, get the ventilation system on, make sure that the air was right, uh, use energy correctly. And that was like a side project, but it's really like my coolest project in the yeah, company. So you got the building, you got like free hands to do whatever you want, more or less, right? So how long did it take to, I guess, make it happen? And how did you start? It's a very good question. And I'm, we went so quick. So that was, I think we got the keys to the building. I think it was one year today or something, like, like in March okay. last year. And what we did was just like, okay, we have one key for the building. That's the biggest issue. And uh, the system for the entrance system was like outdated. The owner of the system, because that was tenant, he moved to US and it was like impossible to get the ownership of it. So if I wanted to do something, I needed to change everything and it was going to cost me like 50,000 euros or something. And that would like stop the whole project for me. Then we just started to like talk about, okay, when you push the button on the inside, the door will open. So why not manipulate that with, with some IoT gadgets? And we found something that was cryptated and high security in the IT sector. And we, we just built our open source app around it. And it was like a few, few hundred euros on that and, and the door opened. I think that was maybe like the biggest thing for me. Then I was just like, okay, I really want to reuse whatever we can because the system works great, just yeah. not the interface. We really want to have this like a sustainability project. We were like every technical, we don't want to change a pump to have a small pump. Then we just add a sensor on it and make a small algorithm to say on and off because that's the most important part. So after the door opened, we decided to have like a breakfast meeting, just invite everybody in the area and show them how, how bad it is, because then we can make a new story and, and show how the progress is going. So we did that and we talked about what we wanted to do. 
And after the, the breakfast meeting, one of the guys from Eve Product in Sweden, I think, that just had opened a Bergen office or home office. So he was working from home. He was just standing there and said, okay, I'm going to move in. And I said, ah, that's something that we think about, that we <laughs> want to open eventually the doors and everybody should move in. And yeah. so I don't have any control yet. Yeah, I want to move in. Can I move in tomorrow? And I said, uh, so I made this app. <laughs> this is, yeah, that's fine. I pushed there and then, I, okay, I move in tomorrow. So yeah. it, it started like that. Wow. And and then we also had so many leads that, that people wanted to do this, but yeah. you know how the billing industry is that you have like five years or one year or six months of leave. It took some time after that. We got some of the home office users and we also had to be really tough with saying, okay, this needs to be in property technology. So we don't want to create just a place where a lot of people are that we want to have yeah. the synergy and, and the people working together. So we also had to, to say no to people in start. And that was tough because we really wanted to have people there. Yeah. Uh, but but after that, so one year from now, we it's it's an amazing space. Now we we have for prop tech. I think the Nordic countries are really great, and we have disruptive technologies. We have Air Things. We have Cisco as a partner. We have Eve Canus. Uh, yeah, we have a lot of and a lot of startups as well. You mentioned uh, disruptive technologies. Uh, I think a couple of times, and what they do is can you tell us? Yes, yeah. what they do. Disruptive is the small sensors from Norway. Yeah. So, so, so the founder, almost like stamp, almost like smaller, like a fingernail, almost, right? Yeah, I think they're same size as a stamp. That's the cool thing. So, I think for sensors, I think this is like the coolest sensors out there for PropTech, yeah. and uh, it's also cool that they are from Bergen. That's something that we are always proud of. <laughs> and they went really big in 2013. I think it took a few years before they really hit it. And what we have been seeing with these sensors is that. They are not really doing that big in, in property. It's more like they, they are like reaching opportunities in other markets, which is very, very exciting, like energy and UK. When I went to the conference, there was some partners talking about food industry, which is really big for controlling the temperature and how they really disrupt the, how they were doing it manually. And they also certify the, the sensors for food control and the encryptation and everything. So for me, it was more like, I wanted to show that this was something that we really could benefit in buildings as well. For me, it was more like showing that we could also use this kind of technologies in buildings. The most important part that Disruptive played in, in the building is small size and also the transfer of heat. I'm using it on, on every pump, on every pipe that we have, on all of the doors to give insight to, to cleaning and site manager and FM. That's how it started. And then my journey with AirThings was also that I wanted to have AirThings in every room in the building and there is many rooms. So we did all of the testing for pushing it to the limit with range, with, with how often we can send it, with the API and, uh, yeah, and also combining it. So we have very cool technology from Israel, like, like Point Grab, which I really like. Mm-hmm. which is the, the sensor for counting people. Yeah. So you use the camera lens, but it doesn't send a picture. It's just send the, the data that you need. And also combining to learn different things, like can you count people with CO2 if you build an algorithm around it, and then you yeah. can just control it with, with camera. Or we're also doing that with Cisco camera. So we have a meeting room. So why not just activate counting people there? That's mm-hmm. the best system that you have for that. Exactly. I think that's where I'm leaning towards more and more as well, like utilizing existing equipment. I mean, you were onto it from the beginning of everything that you're saying. Instead of paying like 500,000 euros for something, 
what can you do with an IoT approach or getting it connected or have open APIs or make it the ability to become smarter without mm-hmm. sort of like rip and replace, right? So I think that's an interesting approach, definitely. But in terms of scalability, let's say both for air things or for disruptive, and also like the everyone promises, I think like 20 years sensor life or 10 years and all these kind of things, right? But that also depends on what you're going to use it for. So is it scalable or what are the thoughts from these kind of companies when it comes to like end of life or life cycle or talking about sustainability? So for Disruptive, I think that the main target is to have like 15 years battery time and it should be like that. I don't think they're yet. I think it's about 12 or 13 years or something. Uh, but again, it's like, for me, that's really impressive to have a small size the battery mm, time. And also I heard that battery time in like 10 plus year, then it's like the battery wouldn't survive more if you just had it in your room for that long. It's partly that. And it's also after 10 years, the batteries are like technology. Yeah. I mean, you want to replace it. You don't want to have it forever because there's something out there that is so much better. So like having that, just that's, that's a good idea as well. If you look at the sensor technology, what I think is really cool, and I, I was like, I had a pilot from both Disruptive and Airthings, and it, I still have the newest technology in the building. So if I look back to my BMS history, it was like when I installed something there, I knew that when I was walking out, it was starting to be outdated. Yeah. Because yeah, every year you can have a service, and if I'm the right guy, I can update it to the latest patches and stuff like that but it's not going to happen automatically. And that's also why we should be afraid to have it on the internet, right? Because mm-hmm. all of the security patches. So how I look at that is that, first of all, I think, honestly, it's very early days. We haven't like really seen how big this can be. By not testing it too much, we, we don't know how it will affect. I'm sure we will have some bad histories and, and stories about this as well. So I said to a Norwegian uh, paper that my biggest afraid for 2020 is that we're going to have some really bad news about PropTech. So in 2019, we had like this, this is the greatest thing. It's the biggest hype, the next dot-com bubble. I think we will see kind of the same because every time something is great, there will also come some not so great products and there will also be overselling. And I think that it's also about how we need to change how we are doing it. So I think that if we try to use like the prop technology, uh, together with the BMS in the same thinking, I think then we are bound to fail. But we need to like adapt for the both strengths and weakness in the systems. Mm-hmm. And we need to like find the best combined solution. Interesting. I mean, so, so you coming from your side, then, I mean, BMS side, understanding that aspect, which we can, maybe you can classify as OT, right? Mm-hmm. So operational technology. Yeah. And prop tech, it all depends on what you use. Let's categorize because we talked a lot about sensors. That might be Internet of Things. You have like the mm-hmm. camera stuff, you have sensors, blah, blah, blah. And then you usually have IT. I don't see it as much Sweden as a problem as there is, or even in the APAC region. But in the US, I know for a fact that that is one of the biggest challenges in that you want to, again, like you have the OT technology, heating, ventilation, air conditioning, and the BMS and the BS system. And then you want to have like maybe IoT. I wouldn't say sensors or wireless because that's also really, really tough still. You want to mm. do a lot with wired, but you still, you want to connect it. And then when you want to connect it, either you do it separately in an OT network and connecting just that network. But usually there's like the IT department that says, no, 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 no. We have to open ports or we have to do this. And that's always a struggle and it takes time. What do you see there? So you're saying that 
getting a clear cut understanding of where everything fits is maybe where we are right now. And that's sort of like where we're going to see in a couple of years. So these uh, things that we did now weren't that great. Maybe we should have done this and then we'll, we'll become smarter, right? Or do you think there is a clear modus operandi of how to do this for the future? As in always separate the OT network from everything else. This is how you should implement IoT solutions, whatever that is. Or this is how IT departments should think when like the BMS or the BS systems are getting connected. What do you think of the obstacles right now, getting this to happen in scale? I think it's a good sum up because we have this, I think like what you were saying, like we have the BMS, we have the IT, and now we have OT in the middle, which is the big distance between the different experts in the field. My journey to BMS was also because I was more of an IT guy than automation guy. And okay. I think that that was the reason that the, co- the first company hired me because we see that this is trending to IT. We see that we have some uh, PLS in IP now. So maybe we need to have the, like this IT guy over there and, and have him join us. So we see that. And I think that one of the biggest issues is that I think for the BMS, we need to lose some of the normal equipment that we have. So when I was delivering BMS, why should I deliver a switch? Why should I deliver a router? That was the weakest link in my system. Why should I do that? Like some of the package of that should be IT. But again, they have tried to move into billing. I think many of them took lightly on the BMS and how, how the billing actually works. And, and that didn't work. So where we are today, as I see it, we have very cool technology with IoT and then PropTech. And I think almost everything goes to the cloud connector and then to the cloud. And cloud connector could be 4G, like to not have the obstacles. So when I went to the US, I talked to companies just to see what they were doing and how they were using IoT. And like the biggest obstacle they said was when the sensors need to connect to my Wi-Fi on the school or the building, that's where everything just doesn't work. Mm. Because the suddenly they will change the name of it or I don't have the access to send data out and stuff like that. So what we are seeing today is that all of the sensors almost has a cloud connector and then they go out to the cloud. And all of the open API and connectivities is cloud to cloud. And again, that's why I'm saying, I think that we need to, if we're going to leverage the technology, we need to adapt with that. So if you are leveraging the cloud, then you shouldn't have like the normal PID regulation that every time the temperature change, look at it. And if it's too high, then start to do something. Because if you lose connection then, then you, your room will be 40 degrees. And, <laughs> and, I mean, we and, talked and, a little bit about this uh, over LinkedIn as well. Anything IoT that is direct to cloud, it will not make it. It depends. I mean, it's really tricky because it's such a granular, gritty kind of thing and very nerdy perspective. But I mean, like the logic, if you're looking at the OT perspective, or the system BMS solutions or BS systems, they should always be in the building. And then, of course, like the IoT ecosystem of sorts. I think like it's both. If I'm looking at where the technology side is going, and it's like cloud is like last year, in my mm-hmm. opinion, like go to cloud movement that was like in the beginning of 2000s with the apps, all of these kind of things. And yes, of course, you're going to leverage the cloud and not reinvent the wheel for some of the things that you want to do, but more and more comes to the edge. So you have a lot of logic and distributed logic even at the sensor level. So again, like I think create a self-driving building and that's where everything happens if you're looking at it from the BMS perspective, not so much prop tech maybe, but everything that sort of sends data in how the building should work or to improve the building or tenant satisfaction, all these kind of things. In my opinion, that has to work in a local control 
Then, of course, in a portfolio perspective, that has to be augmented with the cloud. And that's, of course, where a lot of the integrations happen. From a BMS perspective, that's also how I was raised, how I see that this were done. And I can really also respect why we always have done it like that. Yeah. But then I'm also trying every day to challenge myself to, to yeah. think new. And that's also why I have the building that we have that is the living lab. So we are actually controlling everything from the cloud now. Just because we have to live with it and we have to, if we are wrong, I have to pay that. <laughs> but what happens if you lose internet connectivity? This is the biggest thing I'm thinking of at the moment. So I actually have three customers now that we are trying to do different types of this. So let me just go back to my original thought about this. So I promise you to answer your article, but then I found out that, <laughs> no, that would be a new article just for answering because yeah. it's a great team. I don't think it's any right or wrong answer on this. If you look at an old building in Norway, we have like this generator. So if the power goes off, then you will have lights for all of your desks. So you can sit with your typos, the old typos, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah. even though the power was gone, you can still work. So what we are seeing is, of course, that change. The power goes in the building, the internet goes, you will go home and work, and we are working from home now. That's more of a normal way of, of doing that now. And what we saw was that, okay, we, we just removed all of the old generators because it costs a lot of money in service and it didn't have a purpose and then we also moved all of the working all of our servers to the cloud right mm -hmm. so if the cloud goes down then you can't work you, you can't work if the cloud goes down because you are using your emails or citrix or whatever you're using but nothing bad happens right because if the server goes down you don't connect to it so it's not like in five seconds your pc is going to explode that's a different approach for, for the building, right? Because if you do something wrong with the ducts, if you put your pan on full speed and I like, close all of the valves, mm -hmm. it will go shut and you could... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop. Or you suck out of the room and, I mean, the air in the room or you said something like heating as well. So if you just connect yeah. once you're raising the temperature and it's, you don't really have a good set point or whatever it's called, yeah. Then it's going to go through the roof, like literally, right? So, yeah. 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 And early stages for me, when I was doing an ocean at home, it was like my, my kid, when she was like, I think two years, she was like yeah. dancing on the bathroom floor. And I couldn't understand why. And then I went in and it was like 45 degrees in the bathroom floor <laughs> because I did a, a stupid yeah. mistake, right? So, so I think if you have that with you, if you're like doing a worst case, theory, like what's going to happen if, if everything goes down. I think there is a lot of cool things that you can do, which then you can manage. Actually, you can do the cloud. So what I'm doing with one real estate customer in, in Norway now is that we are saying that, okay, let's do like a hybrid version. We want to leverage the cloud because they, they really see that cloud is the future, but we want also to, to not be the first one and we want to have a hybrid solution. So what we are doing there, which I think is a really cool way, is that we are doing just the temperatures everything is in the duct in the roof so they have the temperature what we have on the cloud is that we have co2 we have voc we have radon and we have other things as well so what we are saying is that okay if the cloud is saying that it should be more air because it's too high co2 or the people counting is saying that there are more people in the room and normally so start take, take the valve to full even though the air is not bad yet because i think that's also a cool thing with the cloud you don't have to control a room when the air is bad. You can actually say that, okay, it's going to be bad. When you're saying the cloud, then you mean like computing power or intelligence, any kind of logic, right? I meaning like it's an API directly to Google or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, like, yeah, like yeah, you're, you're yeah. inferring that in the cloud, that's where like the intelligence lies or that can control the building. I agree that the hybrid approach, that's the approach that is needed. All this stuff that it can't happen with pure edge. It can't happen with pure cloud or edge or is where you 
massage the data closer to the source, right? Mm -hmm. So again, like from a portfolio perspective, or if you just take another industry like Tesla or like automotive, Mm. even if they're connected through 5G, there's no way in hell that they're going to run through the cloud, right? That would be super scary Mm. if all the cars are just like so dependent on the cloud. So they have the intelligence inside the car. Of course, mm. it gets augmented. And then, it, so like if the algorithms gets massaged in the clouds or where there's more computing power, it gets pushed out into the vehicle to make them smarter, um, per, as in step by step, right? Mm. I think like that, yeah. So the hybrid approach is definitely what play, but mm. what comes first is local control and then the cloud and then back to the edge. That's definitely what I see more and more. You always have to think about the risk, right? So when you wake up in the morning, you drive, you, you do the risk control. And then that's how it should be with your billing as well. So it's like, it all depends what you're controlling. Like I always tell my customer, yeah. that is, so you are going to control the heat in a room if you lose the signal to the cloud. So after two hours, it might be warm or it may, might be cold. But if the customer do a small, like, like saying, okay, if I lose connection, like a simple ping or just mm-hmm. a feedback, then if the outside temperature is 10 degrees, then you know that it should be on and off like 50% or something like do simple calculations. So if you want to leverage the technology today, and that's why I said at the start, it's always about the plus and the minus with both technologies. That's how you need to do it today. I don't say that that's the future way of doing it. I think it's like when you have new technology, it will be a gap. And I see why all of the IoT sensors go into the cloud because it makes sense for them and it makes sense for the data aggregation and how you can also... So I really believe in Edge, but the bad thing with Edge is that you cannot use all of the data from, from other sites as well, right? Everything that is possible in the, in the cloud today, I believe is possible on the Edge as well. But again, like you have to have that connectedness with other buildings to actually learn from them. And it's also the fact that even if you're missing important data, it's not only of controlling the building, but it's also where like AI, machine learning comes in and taking other data sources from the cloud or from whatever yeah. in making sure that the building operates in the best way possible. A lot of these different things, and it comes back to having a data strategy, which I don't think a lot of companies have, if anyone. So yeah. I think that's a huge part of like the connectivity strategy that I have for my digital twin company. So you have a smart building. What are the opportunities and the benefits for... I think the, the final words will be that I do see that gateways will talk locally as well. I don't think it will be back at the Modbus because that, that doesn't make sense for them. <laughs> and that's another yeah. story, but I think it will be MQTT. That's <laughs> a different... Uh, it's like MQTT is an API or like subscribe, yeah. publish protocol up and down, right? Backnet mm. is a harmonization protocol to make devices talk to each other. Modbus is is an interface or it's also communication protocol lower down, I would say. Different things. I understand why IT companies like MQTT because it's a light, very light, lightweight protocol, which is really simple to set up. And all of the hardware that they already use on the, the cloud connectors are like the same for MQTT uh, client. What I'm unsure about is where the broker will be because I don't think that the broker should be on the cloud connector. I think it should be on the BMS system. Yeah. And... I'm really unsure if that's going to happen. I see that like ECIO are doing it. We have Vago is doing it the same. Yeah. And we are seeing like BMS companies that are starting to adapt to MQTT, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, so adapting like MQTT and JSON endpoints and more modern yeah. ways of communicating to other solutions, I would say. Yeah. Right? And um, what I think is the most important part with that is that then we can also, like we talked about in the beginning, is that we should use existing data. We should 
get all of the data out of the billing. But if you want to send that like to a BI system or to an IT guy, it needs to be in, in like you were saying, like with Jason, it needs to be in a, in a format that they understand. Final words then I thought is use more modern technologies, but then, and moving more to the cloud or to the edge. I, yeah, I, but understanding I think pros and cons, maybe. Yes, that's a really good sum up. So, so it's like, I don't believe that you can like, wait and see because the whole thing that we are doing now is a learning curve so if you're going to use new technology then you have to everything goes to the cloud most likely and there is a lot of no (laughs) not not everything yeah i I know (laughs) so a lot of things goes to the cloud and uh, there is a lot of pros and there is a lot of cons but if you do it i really believe that you can do it the right way like leveraging it and using the right strategy for building a system and that's what i'm doing in my building in bergen so it's really about we will test it we will publish it all of the data are out there so you can actually see if the sensors are not working and i also believe in wireless technology so we have wi-fi everywhere right so we are we are using our pcs the most important tool that we have and yeah. we believe in it if we move over to wireless on all of the peripherals, then it's it's like the billing is changing before people move in. So you start yeah. to like rip up the wall. And every time I talk to a billing owner, they say that, so the price is like 95% for technical teams and it's 5% for the actually guy that is building the nice new wall and ripping everything down. Mm. And I, I really believe with wireless, then we could do it better and we could have more, like more peripherals out there and do yeah. more right calculations. Okay. More to wireless and wireless for clarification from my perspective, it doesn't necessarily mean Wi-Fi or home automation stuff, right? But definitely wireless. I agree 100%. Use modern technologies, but understand like the pros and cons and that it is a learning curve and maybe not go with the cutting edge uh, Frankenstein monster for like 300 buildings, but do pilots, but actually do something, right? Mm. And do Do something something now because things are happening. Tell me, it was a pleasure. We should definitely do this again. And thanks so much for your time. How do people find you if they want to find you? Easiest way is LinkedIn. That's yeah. uh, where me and you are chatting every day as well. So <laughs> so, so LinkedIn and then just search for Tommy Hagnes. It's also LinkedIn.com slash Tommy Hagnes. So that's perfect. Thank you so much for having me. Hope to talk uh, more soon. And really looking forward to follow this cool Absolutely. project that you're doing. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Yeah, we'll definitely talk again. I think like everyone wants a follow-up to this one. I am 100% sure. I want it. Thanks so much, Tommy, for your time. <laughs> Thank Thanks you. so much. Cheers. See you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Beyond Buildings podcast. And also a big thank you to our sponsor, Platform of Trust. For those of you who want to collect, harmonize and trust data from anywhere in the world and make sense of it in a much, much faster way than ever before. Thank you.